0: Don't fall, please. Do not fall. Trip on that. Go for That's some crazy. shock value to start with, right? Um, there's a nat- there's a saying that goes like this: If it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, if it swims like a duck, then it must be a duck. Okay, you're with me. Our society has kind of changed though. Nowadays, it kind of seems like, well, if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, and swims like a duck, then you know what, I think it's a pig. So it must be a pig, right? Our society has kind of gone that way, and and oftentimes, sadly, uh, Christians have taken that stance as well, where, you know, hey, I'm a Christian. I've got the bumper sticker to prove it and all that. But sometimes we don't act like a Christian, do we? And I know that for many of us, and myself included, it's hard to live righteous and holy living. It's hard in the society, the evil days we live in, it's hard to walk that line, to walk in the light, to, to be a light, right? So the only way that this happens is through the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And that's what Paul's going to get at this morning. As a, a Christian, is someone who submits their lives, their wants, their desires to the Lord's wants desires and will. That is what a Christian is. And Paul is going to tell us what what God actually wants from us this morning. So being a Christian is a way of life. It's not just, hey, I got a a bumper sticker that, you know, it's got a fish and a dove, you know, or hey, I got a t-shirt or something like that. No. Being a Christian is a way of life. It's not how you dress. It's not what shows you watch. It's not where you work, it's a way of life. It's a change of thought and behavior. It's a new life. And following the leading of God. God is our master. And it is God who gets to say how we should live our lives, right? So let me ask. If we choose to do our things our own way, are we really following after God? No. If we choose to live our lives the way He wants us to. Doing the things He wants desires for our lives, then what? God is our master, correct? Just like that saying, if it walks like a Christian, if it talks like a Christian, if it prays like a Christian, then it must be a Christian. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to begin this morning. We're going to pick up Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, we do have Bibles on the sides in these little bookcases. If your neighbors found it and you haven't found it yet, I'm sure they'll understand if you borrow their Bible for a moment. So uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Paul starts out, having become dearly loved children of God. Follow God's example. Walk in the way of love as Christ loved you and gave himself for you. Paul tells us it's our calling as a child of God to follow God's example or to imitate God in holiness and righteousness, to become an imitator of God. So how do we know it's our calling? Well, let's back up uh, chapter 4. Last week we studied this. Paul said, when you got saved, you were taught To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So when you accepted Jesus into your life, God says, I'm going to create you to be righteous and holy like I am. And he sends us his spirit to do that in our work, in our lives. As Christians, we're created to be like God. And so excuse me and so when we're created to do something it's our calling that would be our calling to imitate god in these areas christians should be known for imitating god in righteousness and holiness and yet sadly a lot of times we're known for what we're against anymore right so but we should be known for imitating god that uh back in when christ was resurrected after that there were they were called of the way, or or they soon became known as Christians. It was kind of derogatory, but they were little Christ. Oh, that person's a little Christ, because they were known for being like Christ. That's what we should be known, our old self, our, our sinful flesh, which is corrupted by de- deceitful desires, should be cast off. We should throw it away, much like you're out doing yard work, and you're mowing, and you're you know, digging up the weeds and stuff. And your your clothes, they get filthy. They get sweaty. The first thing you do when you come in the house is what? You want to change your clothes, right? This is what happens when we get saved. God's like, oh, dude, you stink. Come on, you need to change your clothes. Take off take off that filthy rags. I got new clothes for you. And it's righteousness and holiness that he gives us. It's not an instantaneous thing, as we will see. It's It's a work that the Holy Spirit does in our lives if we allow him to do that. Amen? So think of it this way. It's an old mindset versus a new mindset, or an old lifestyle versus a new lifestyle. By casting off our old self and putting on our new self, our desires will be to follow God's example and walk in the way of love as Christ loved us. Now, righteousness and holiness aren't the only two things that every Christian should be known for. Paul does add that we should walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us. See, Jesus went to the cross willingly to die for my sins. These three attributes, righteousness, holiness, and love, they sum up who God is. And that was summed up on the cross as well by Jesus' sacrifice. Like I said, so often we're known for what we're against and not what we're for, not who we're for. And so... I wonder how different our churches would look like. I wonder how different our families would look like. I wonder how different our, our cities would look like if we were known for righteousness, holiness, and walking in the way of love. This isn't a checklist that we're supposed to check off. But rather, Paul tells us these things will be evident of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. This is not something that will happen automatically. Rather, it's an ongoing work the Holy Spirit does as we allow him to work in our lives so it's still our choice we can choose to come in from mowing the yard and everything and keep those dirty clothes on and sit on the couch and start make our wives upset you know guys Uh, but the choice is up to us paul is encouraging us as believers put off your old self change your clothes follow god's example walk in the way of love. He's encouraging us to do this. And he says, because Christ has loved you and died for you. He's trying to warn us and keep us from harm here. The Apostle John says it this way. We love others as a response to God loving us, first loving us. It's like this, If my wife was constantly nagging me to do the dishes, sweep the floor, pick up my clothes that I throw on the floor, would that make me want to do it more? Probably just to get her off my back sometimes. But but I do those things as a response for my love to her. And so as Christians, our response should not be walking back into our own sinful ways. Our response, rather, Paul says, should be to follow God's example and walk in the way of love because He has first loved us. And so following God's example and holiness and righteousness and walking in the way of love will always come from gratitude. If not, it won't last. It won't, you won't continue that if it's not out of gratitude and thankfulness for what God has done for you. And I believe some of the reasons why we don't follow God's examples or why we don't see Christians do this today is because sometimes we think more highly of ourselves than we ought or we've forgotten really how bad of a sinner we were and what God saved us from. The Bible says that while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. While we were in active rebellion to Him, God looked out over time and said, I want to save that person. I want to save him. I want, I want to save them all. And, and I'm sure one of the angels was like, God, you see what they're doing? You see how they're acting? But God's like, I want to save them. When we were in active rebellion to God, He chose to save us. He Jesus willingly went to the cross when we were. At, and, and when you think about that, Don't you become overwhelmed with a little bit of gratitude for what God has done for you? You know, at any point, Christ could have been on the cross and been like, you know what? I know how this ends. I know what goes on. I know what John Mark does on this date, on this time. I give up. I'm done. I'm not going to do it. It's not worth it. He's just going to turn his back on me at some point. God could have said that. Jesus could have said that on the cross. He could have said, I know they're rebellious people it's not worth it. I'm going to have to lead them. I'm going to have to walk alongside them. I'm going to have to drag them sometimes, kicking and screaming, to, to, to follow me. It's not worth it. Christ could have said, it's not worth it, but he didn't. He goes, I know I'm going to have to drag them kicking and screaming sometimes, but it's worth it. You were worth it. I was worth it. And that should cause some gratitude and thankfulness to swell up in our heart, to cause us to desire to follow God's example. Amen? Amen. Verse 3, Paul continues, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Paul writes, among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, impurity or greed, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, because these are all unbecoming of God's people. Rather, there should be thanksgiving. Unbecoming, that's, that's one of those words we don't use very much anymore. But it's, it's like, I, mean, I don't know, it might be old King James verse, uh, word. But it's like unbecoming, that's, that just sounds Wow, I probably shouldn't be doing that, you know, type of thing. It it kind of sounds more stern. But Paul here is being very stern. He said, There must not be any hint. He's not just like, Hey guys, don't do that. It's, There must not be any hint of these things among you. This word must not be a hint even means to be verbalized. So not only should there not be this, should we not be doing these things, but we shouldn't even be talking about doing these things. We shouldn't even be thinking about doing these things. To be caught, to be even to be known for doing these things is unbecoming of Christians. Why? Because in chapter 4, Paul said, I insist on this that you no longer live as the Gentiles do or as the sinners do. For they indulge in this stuff because if you do, you grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. These things grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You see, when we continually and deliberately live in a way that is unbecoming of God's people, it grieves the Holy Spirit. In the same way, you as parents know this, in the same way, a loving parent is grieved when his or her child is walking off in a self-destructive manner. You watch your child, go, you're like, no, don't. And it grieves your heart. This is what happens to the Spirit. Because he knows that this stuff only leads to destruction. These attitudes only lead to division in churches. These um, things that we're told to abstain from only divide the people of God. They only destroy. Paul lists six actions, both the words and deeds that are totally against holiness and righteousness and walking in the way of love. Now, his intent was not to come up with a conclusive list, but rather a general list of, of stuff. Price of problem areas he saw in the church that he was talking to. But these things he says to avoid, like sexual immorality, it's not just sexual immorality. This word comes from the word porn, which and and it includes the inability to control one's body. But we must take it as Paul is saying stay away from. Everything that's sexually immoral. Anything. Uh, Paul adds impurity, which quite literally means filth. You know, no one just naturally goes out and says, you know what, I'm going to be filthy today. Or, you know what, I'm going to be a sexually immoral person today. I just decided, you know, I think that would work for me today. Nobody does that. No, it starts where? In our mind. It starts... In our mind, Jesus said, Out of the mouth the heart speaks. So deeds start with words, which originally started with thoughts. James in James 1, 14 and 15 tells us, Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. This is why the Spirit's grieved when we do these things. Because He knows where it leads us. And this is why Paul tells the church at Philippi to fix your thoughts on whatever is true, whatever is honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think on these things because our actions and our words will always start as thoughts. We need to control that. Each of these six things on their own are self-destructive to the believer. And they are a result of not putting off our old self. These things are out of place. They're improper for God's holy people, Paul says. They're not acceptable. They're not up to the standard that God has for us. God's standard on the way we live our lives is not to ruin our fun, but to protect us from evil. It's not to cause us to be held under a set of laws but rather give us freedom in Christ. And anything falling short of Paul's standard uh, of God's standard Paul says is unbecoming of a child of God because it is self-destructive. We're willingly destroying ourselves when we go and do these things. It's against the leading of the Holy Spirit when we do these things. We are saying Nope, I've made the choice. I want to do things my way. I don't, want to, I don't want to follow the Holy Spirit today. I want to do things my way. That's what we're saying. So what is proper of a child of God? Gratitude. Paul says, these things ought not to be so, but rather thanksgiving. Our words, our actions, our deeds, <coughs> excuse me, should be that of thanksgiving, Paul says. In fact, there's some studies done recently that say that gratitude is actually like a good medicine for the body. Gratitude increases serotonin and dopamine responses in the brain. The scientists are just now catching up to God's Word. Uh, They are. Paul tells us, be grateful, be thankful. And now scientists are saying, yeah, you know, what? it's actually good for you to be thankful. It's actually good for you to be grateful. And so... I believe if Paul was standing here today, he would encourage us. Be thankful. You live in America. You live in a country where you can have heat on in the middle of winter. You live in a country where God's Word can be read and taught and spoken of. (coughs) Be thankful for that. Be thankful for all God has done for you. I tend to be a glass half full kind of guy sometimes. And so I, I have to remind myself all the time, wait a minute, this may be bad, but you, know, you need to be thankful. I saw a video last night, and this guy, my wife was joking about it too, she, we're sitting there watching this video, and the, this guy said, yeah, I come into the boss, and I'm like, boss, truck number four just broke down. He's like, good. I come into the boss, hey, boss, this job has run late, we didn't get the supplies. Good. Hey, boss, this is happening. Good. Everything was always good. So one day he's like, hey, boss, this happened. we were short workers, whatever. I know what your answer is going to be. It's going to be good. He goes, but why? Why is it always good? He goes, because every time something goes bad, it teaches you. So maybe truck number three breaking down. Meant that that guy didn't get an accident today, or maybe uh, people not showing up to work today meant that uh, you know they were able to stay at home with their family, or maybe so and so not showing up to work today meant that he needed to learn a lesson. <coughs> Excuse me, it's dry in here. Uh, sure, I'll take that. Um, thank you, Wendy. He said. It's good, though, because if you always look at the bad, you're going to have a negative output on outlook on life. He said, but look at the good. Look at what could happen. Look at what you could have been saved from. Be thankful. Be grateful. I need to learn that more. I know. And I need to remind myself. This is something God was like, you need to remind yourself of this more often, because I tend to be like, oh, got a flat tire. Now what am I going to do? I can't make it to over here. I was headed, my plans, oh, wait. God's supposed to be my master, my Lord. Okay, God, your plan was for me to have a flat tire. Now what? So that's what Paul's talking about here. Now, verse five, <coughs> Paul goes on to give us yet another reason for putting off our old self and not indulging in these things. He says, verse five, for you can. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Paul warns us that no one who values these sins has any part in the kingdom of Christ and of God because they are an idolater. He starts out, for this you can be sure. (coughs) Excuse me. Paul doesn't say, you know this because I told you once before. He says, you know this because you were once an idolater. For this you can be sure. I'm going to take a nice big drink here. He says, for this you can be sure, because this was once you. You know this because this was once you that these people do not inherit the kingdom of God. That's why, when that was brought to your light, to your attention, you sought after God, right? We know that. Somebody came to us. I remember uh, somebody came to me and said, do you know if you died tonight, the, would you go to heaven or hell? And I'm like, well, what's the options again? You know what? I didn't know. I was a kid. And it was... Well, hell is a bad place. Let me tell you about it. There's full of fire. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to go there. But that was enough to spark an interest in this seeking after God in me. <coughs> and that's what Paul's talking about. For you know this. You know that no immoral, impure, or greedy person, because they're an idolater, will inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because God's kingdom is under his rule. The anyone or any person who is not under God's rule is not under God's kingdom and cannot have a part of God's kingdom because they're worshiping something else. God says, this is my kingdom. I am to be worshiped. And so Paul says, you know this because you were once an idolater. You were once an outsider who, by faith, he says, through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, are now a child of God and an heir of his kingdom. What it comes down to is this. Who or what do we worship? If we worship God, then Paul would say we need to walk in the way of love. And we need to follow God's example in righteousness and holiness. Because we worship God. Because we're not an idolater right? You see, we were all idolaters. We all knew this. But because I placed my faith in Jesus Christ, he has made me an heir to his kingdom and a child. I put myself under his reign, his rule, his authority. And so what it comes down to is, do I worship God or I do do I worship something else like immorality, impurity, and greed? And that's the choice we have for us. We have that choice almost every day. Do I want to worship God today or do I want to worship myself or something else? We have two options. Follow, God, follow God's example or follow after the things of this world. And we have to make that choice every day. That's why Paul says to put off your old self because... Sometimes for some of us, it's a daily putting off our old selves. You know. uh, but one path leads to an inheritance in the kingdom of God, and the other leads to wrath, as Paul tells us, continuing in verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes upon those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Paul says, let, don't let anybody deceive you. God will judge evil. Don't even partner with them. Well, thank you, Barry. Yeah, you're joking up there. I am. I don't know why. It's, it's been so dry. I told my wife that it's been dry this year. It seems like it hit really fast. Anyway, um, let no one deceive you. Remember, he's writing to a church here. So we can be deceived. In fact, Paul will later tell Timothy and warn him for a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around themselves a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And what this comes back to is, who do we worship? Do we worship God? Do we want to hear what He has to say? Or do we want to worship ourselves and the things of this world and just have somebody tell us a good Yeah, it's okay that you do that. It's okay. But Paul says God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Even the ones who have been deceived can be turned into disobedient. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins. The Bible is very clear about this. Therefore, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, anyone who rejects his instruction does not reject a human, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. See, even when God talks about judgment and wrath, there's always a way out. He gives us his Holy Spirit. It's that little check in our mind that says, ah, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, maybe don't do that. Hey, maybe put on, some, put on your new self today. You know, maybe you should put off your old, you're getting a little stinky here, put off your old self. But God doesn't send people to hell. It's our choice. It's by our disobedience. But God's wrath will come on the person who chooses to remain in a state of disobedience and rebellion to God. This is a warning. Don't be deceived. Don't let things like sexual immorality, impurity creep in. Don't let obscene and coarse jesting creep in. Don't choose disobedience. And then Paul warns, don't even be partners with them. This word partner means to literally means fellow partaker or fellow sharer, implying that if you join with them in their deception and disobedience, you will eventually join in with them in God's wrath. And Paul warns us not to partner, that, partner with them. Contrast that with partnering with Jesus. J. Vernon McGee once said that one of the greatest privileges that is given to us is this, if you are in Christ, if you have come to Him and accepted Him as your Savior, then you are in partnership with Christ. We, we get to partner with Christ? We get to be a fellow partaker, fellow sharer with Christ? That's something to be thankful for. I mean, not, God doesn't just save us and be like, okay, there you go, you're, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll build a nice place for you when you're done on this earth. He doesn't do that. He says, I want you to be a fellow partaker in Christ and all the blessings that I've blessed him with and all the the inheritance that is waiting for him. It's waiting for us. The kingdom is is waiting for us. This life is not all there is. And yet sometimes we get so focused on everything in this life, right? But Paul continues in verse 8, "...for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord." Live as children of the light. You were once disobedient, but live as God's people, God's holy people. Uh, you see, darkness is choosing evil over good. It's a way of living one's life apart from God. But we don't want to do that, do we? After everything God's done for us, <coughs> after, the, um, after dying on a cross for us, after offering this inheritance with us, after walking through this life with us with this Holy Spirit, Why would we want to turn away and turn back to our old self? I mean, I remember what I was like before Christ. I know some of your guys' story. I know what you were like before Christ. You want to return to that? Paul says, don't return to that. You were once darkness, but now you're light. Live as children of the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Apostle John, continuing that thought, says, God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, he, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Well, didn't we get saved to be forgiven of all sins? Yeah, so let, let's walk with Christ. Abide with Him, as John says. Live with Him to continue that purifications of sins. Paul uses the words walk, and partner with, and live to describe our way of life and how we behave. It's, it's the same idea to putting off the old self and putting on the new self. We either, we either live our old ways or live in the newness that Christ offers. So what happens when we behave as children of the light? Paul continues, verse 9, For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. The fruit or the outcome of living as children of the light will be goodness, righteousness, and truth, and everything that pleases the Lord. The Holy Spirit is going to work this in you. Uh, Paul uses the term here for the fruit of the light. Uh, in Galatians, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the same idea here. The Spirit will work these things in you if you walk as children of light. And so, goodness, righteousness, truth, as opposed to sexual immorality, impurity, greed. When you put it that way, there is no distinction, is there? It's like, uh, okay, I... That stuff, I don't know, Paul will even say later that we shouldn't talk about that stuff. But you know, that's what he's saying. He's giving us a contrast: goodness, righteousness, and truth, as opposed to all these other destructive things. This phrase, uh, find out, where he says, find out what pleases the Lord, means to judge, to be right, or to approve what is right, and to attest or to examine it. So not only should our lives be characterized by these things, but we should also be examining everything else we do to see if it pleases God. And the implication is, if it doesn't please God, don't do it. Right? So, But it's kind of a challenge as well. And find out what pleases the Lord. We should be searching, we should be seeking to find out what pleases God. Not out of obligation, but because of out of love, do we have for him a love he's shown us one thing to note here is paul switches between using god and lord when speaking of yahweh of god because when he uses the term lord he literally means master and intentionally so because if god has become our master we should seek to do only what pleases him amen, amen. if god is our master We will be seeking to do what pleases Him, or else we will be an unfaithful servant. There's a contrast for us. When we imitate God, there will be evidence. When we're disobedient, deceived, and walking in darkness, there will be evidence. The choice is ours. The path we choose will determine the outcome. So what outcome are we living for? And and just so we're totally clear on how God feels about darkness... Paul continues in verse 11. He says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Have nothing to do. Nothing. These fruitless deeds of darkness, they're they're vain. They're empty. The deeds that do not please God will always be fruitless. They will always be done in the darkness because they don't help anybody. They don't build one another up. They don't encourage anybody. They're not va- they have no value. They exhibit no love. They're totally opposed to God. They're totally opposed to what God wants of us. And Paul says expose them. Expose them for what they are. They're frauds. Immorality is just a cheap thrill, not a lasting relationship. Impurity is a fake knockoff for something real. And greed will only keep you longing for more. We need to expose these things for what they are. Frauds. Deceptions of the devil meant to draw us down. I hear this all the time and I see it on social media uh, as a justification for sin usually. Well, Jesus hung out with sinners. Yeah, so? It's okay that you go to the club or the pride parade or, or whatever? Well, Jesus hung out with sinners. So it's okay if I'm friends with this group or that group. Paul says have nothing to do with them and expose them. You see, because there's a difference. You're not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. And these people did not stay as they were. They did not remain in the state they were in. Recording artist, Jelly Roll. I know most of you are like, Jelly Roll. But I bring this up because he's quite influential with the youth. The other day he was recently asked about churches, and he said that the church is going to die because the only people the church is going against and criticizing are the only people Jesus had a relationship with. And then he went on to say, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but the church needs to cater to these people because Jesus did. And I'm like, boy, you need to read your Bible. Jesus did not cater to sinners. He exposed them. He brought their deeds to light so they would come to the light. This is what we're going to get to here in a minute. How else would a prostitute know that her profession is wrong unless she's exposed by the light? How else are sinners supposed to know what they're doing wrong unless they're exposed to the light? We aren't salt and light by joining them in darkness. We are salt and light by shining the light of God's love into their darkness. Now, some have taken this to mean I need to go stand on a street corner and, with some signs, and you know how well that works? Sometimes not as much. But there's better ways to get people's attention. Honestly, the best way to get somebody else's attention, to expose their deeds, to, to be a light, is to live your life following God's example and walking in the way of love. That is the best way to expose somebody's darkness expose, Because at some point, they're going to be like, uh, what's up with that guy? What's up with that girl? There's something different about them. Something's going on. I don't... I I, I used to tell jokes around them, but I don't anymore because I feel dirty when I tell jokes around them. I, I've actually had somebody tell me that. Um, it's funny because it's like when, when there is light, it's like flipping on a light switch. Darkness has no place. And so... Paul continues, verse 12, it is, even shameful, it is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in, in, Dart, in the secret. We shouldn't even speak about what they do. In fact, I, I can't even watch the news half the time to hear about what evils happen in this world. I don't know about you guys, but it, it seems to be getting worse, right? Uh, verse 13, Paul says, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Paul says, turn on the light. Flip that switch light on. Because when the light shines on anything, people can know what their darkness really is. That's the reason why it's in secret and in darkness. Because Satan doesn't want you to know how destructive and how hurtful it is. And so Paul says, flip the light switch on. And the same is true of our heart. It's only when people's hearts are enlightened by the Holy Spirit to see that the wages of sin is death and that their deeds are leading to eternal punishment, my deeds are leading to eternal punishment, that I can clearly see my need for Christ. This is why it said, wake up. Wake up to the path of destruction you're on, Paul says. You can't ignore this. If you rise up from the grave you're in, Christ's light will shine upon you. This is what happened to this group of believers. Back in verse 8, Paul says, that they were once in darkness, but now are in the light of the Lord. They woke up, they rose up. It was, a, it was a choice. They woke up, they rose up, they made a decision to follow God's example and walk in the way of love. And that's what Paul says we should do. This phrase, rise up from the dead and Christ will shine on you, is the, kind of the same thing that God promises when he says, if you seek me, you will find me. The idea is clear that once our deeds are illuminated and shown for what they really are, we will have to make a decision. We can either continue, now that we've seen what our deeds are, we can continue in them or come to the light of God or come to the light of Christ. There's a passage in John where we see this choice laid before us. John says in John 3, 19-21, God's light came into the world, but people loved God darkness more than the light for their actions were evil all who hate or all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed but those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that what they are doing is what God wants there's a choice to be made even as Christians we still have to choose do I want to put on my new self today or do I want to put on the old self you know, we get up and we're like, what kind of day are we going to have today? Are we Are going to have a, a, a walking with Christ and the Holy Spirit? Or are we going to have living in destruction and death? What kind of day am I going to have? It's a choice we have every day. <clears throat> and if Paul was standing here, I'm sure he'd encourage us, rise up, come out of that grave, and walk in the light of Christ. Amen? Verse 15, be very careful then how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity <clears throat> because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Paul says, be very careful or pay close attention to how you behave in these evil days. Not as the unwise, but as wise. The Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so Paul would say, wisdom is following Christ. Wisdom is following God's example and walking in the way of love. Foolishness would be returning to your old way. Foolishness would be walking away from what God has offered us in salvation and and wanting to stay where you are unsaved. Not like the unwise who failed to develop in this way and are short-sighted and blind, as Peter says, forgetting, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. That, Peter says that, sorry. But make the most of every opportunity. Seize this opportunity to walk in the light. You know, don't just, okay, I think I'm going to walk Seize the opportunity to walk in the light. Because Paul says, the days are getting evil. Before it's too late. Do you, do you believe that the days are getting more and more evil? Yeah. Every day you turn on the news, it's like, I can't believe I just saw that on news. I, I mean, movies 15, 20, 30 years ago maybe, but the news that's happening, days are getting evil. And so Paul says, seize every opportunity before it's too late. Evil will not go unpunished forever you should take every chance you can to walk in the light. Be an example. Why, Paul has given us a contrast here of light versus darkness. And, and he tells us what the demise of darkness is. And so as Christians, why would we want to continue walking in darkness anymore? Why would we want to continue walking... In the ways of evil as unwise people. When Christ has done so much for us, when there's so much light for us on this side and so much darkness on this side, why would we continue? I think some of us have been deceived. Some of us have lost our thankfulness, our gratitude for what God has done for us. And Paul wants to remind us to have gratitude, to remember what God has done for us. What is the Lord's will? As Paul says, to look for the Lord's will. First of all, Paul in 1 Timothy says, the God who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. So God's will is that all would be saved, first and foremost. All would step out of the darkness into light. And then, then in, in the, to the church at Thessalonica, Paul writes, it is God's will that you should be sanctified or to be made holy. So God's will is first and foremost to save you from your sins. And then His will for our lives is that we would walk in the way of love and follow God's example. And so that's God's will for us. It doesn't have to be complicated like, okay, should I move here or there? No, just stay in that place of following God's example. God will lead you, the Holy Spirit will lead you where you're supposed to go. Do I take this job or that job? Stay following God's example, the Holy Spirit will lead you where you're supposed to go. If you're following God's example, if your life is submitted to Him as your Lord and Master, He will lead you. He will guide you where you're supposed to go. You'll find out the particulars of His will for your life. But overall, His desire is that you would come to know Him in a saving way and that you would follow His example and learn and grow in holiness and righteousness. God not only wants us to come to the light, but also to walk in the light. He wants us to live in the light. Why? Because he knows it's best for us. He knows that living in the life is most beneficial for us. He knows that living in darkness is only destructive. But walking in the light, living in the light, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us is most beneficial for us. And to, to illustrate this, Paul says in verse 18, do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery, instead be filled with the Spirit. The idea here is, what are you filled with? Are you filled with the things of this world, which Paul refers to wine? And if you've ever been drunk, you know that it leads to debauchery and all that. You know, drinking too much doesn't, drinking too much wine doesn't lead you to the Lord. I'm sorry. It it leads you to sin. Uh, But being filled with the Spirit leads you to the Lord. So Paul is saying, What are you filled with? What are you filling your life with? You know, want to walk in light? Fill your life with the Holy Spirit. You want to walk in God's ways, you want to follow God's example? Fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And really, what this comes down to is anything in life. Is this drawing me closer to God or more away from Him? That's a choice. That's what Paul's saying here. It's not a a speech about getting drunk. It's it's what do you fill your life with? What is is filling you? What are you letting into your life? You know, uh, he says, rather, rather than sexual immorality, rather than impurity, greed, obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, rather, verse 19, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs, from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit is a way to walk in God's example and to, and to walk in the way of love, or follow God's example, and to be filled with the Spirit. Again, what are we filling our lives with? I'm not going to say, oh, you shouldn't listen to classic rock, but if, if that's all you listen to, what are you filling your mind with? If if you watch the normal amount of TV, I think the normal amount of TV for most adults is like four to six hours a day. You know, it's like, if, if you're watching TV, what are you filling your life with? And Paul here says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs, as opposed to coarse joking, foolish talk, obviously, but... The idea is to be filled with the Spirit in everything we do and to be thankful to God for everything He's given us. Always give thanks. Study has been shown. I, I told you about this. The gratitude is good for our mental health. The psalmist writes, If I fill my eyes and ears with garbage, my heart and soul will be filled with that which is worthless. Follow, God, follow God's example. Walk in the way of love. I guarantee it won't be worthless. So everything we've talked about this morning is a choice. God has given us a choice. He's given us the free will to choose right from wrong, to walk in the way of love or walk in darkness, to follow God's example or to follow the example of the world. C.S. Lewis once said, evil comes from the abuse of free will. God has given us free will. So we can choose him. But if we abuse that, then what are we doing? We're going against him. If we choose to continue in these things that Paul says are bad or unbecoming of a Christian, then we're choosing to walk away from Christ because they're drawing us further and further away from Christ. The, the thing Paul wants to make that I, I felt Paul... Paul, the point Paul was making in this passage is choose God. Choose to follow God. Choose to, it'll go better for you. You want a blessed life? Choose to follow God's example and walk in the way of life. In the way of light. If you want your best life now, not saying everything will be good. We the rain falls on the wicked and the just. The, you know, we, we, in this life we will have trials and troubles. But you want your best life now? Follow God's example. Walk in the way of light. Amen. Imitate God. Walk in the way of love. Why is it that we allow these other things? Because sometimes we forget what God has done for us. Why is it that, you know, sometimes our lives are characterized by gossip, slander, foolish talk, coarse jesting and all that? Because we forget what God has done for us. Or we don't think that, oh, it's not that bad. A little here, a little there. A little leaven leavens the whole loaf, the Bible says. A little yeast permeates the entire loaf. And so Paul would say, don't even let a hint of that come into your life. Put it away. Expose it. We all struggle with this. I know that because I struggle with it. Paul elsewhere will write, I do the things I don't want to do, and the things I don't want to do, I tend to do. But then he says, put off your old self and walk in the Spirit. Let the Spirit guide you. When, when I got saved, I, they led me in a prayer. And it, it went something like this. Uh, Lord, be my, or, Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord and my Master. Well, I should have known right then what that meant. That means to let God rule in your life. That means to let God lead your life. That means to let God guide your life. And if I meant it then, do I mean it now? And yes, I do. I want God to lead my life. I can tell you, I can lead my life, if I tried, into some weird places, into some dark places. But I know with God in control, I know where I'm headed. I know where God is going to lead me. It's never going to be to hurt me, but it's going to be for my benefit, for my benefit, for my growth. When bad things come, they're for our growth and our benefit. The book of Job, I love the book of Job, and I'm going to close with this. I love the book of Job because Job, though he went through all those things, we can see that his faith in God was so much stronger at the end of the book of Job than it was at the beginning of the book of Job. I love that because Job went through all that, and yet his faith grew, which means a flat tire. Okay, my faith can grow. Uh, you know, all bills do. Okay, my faith can grow. Oh, I couldn't make it to that appointment today. Okay, my faith can grow in this. I know that these things aren't happening because God's trying to punish me as long as I'm walking in the way of light, in, in the way of love, and following God's example. God's using these things to grow my faith. That's what he did with Job. He grew Job's faith. And he wants to grow each and every one of our faith today. And, and in growing our faith, he wants us to follow God's example and walk in the way of light. Amen? Amen? Let me pray, and I know the worship team's gonna come back up. And uh you know, when we sing songs about God being our Lord and our master, think about that. When we sing songs about everything God has done for us. Sing praises. Think about that. Let that remind you to follow God, God's example today. Amen? Let me pray. Dearly Father, Lord, we come to you. Lord, we know we've, we're faultless. We, our fa- we fail. We falter. Lord, we know that we um, don't always follow you in light, Lord, and we don't always walk in light. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us in that. We pray that you would grow us through that. Lord, we pray that you would show us that your way is a better way, Lord, that Walking in light is more beneficial. It's not worthless to walk in light. It's not worthless and and meaningless to do good all the time, Lord, or to, to try to follow your example and walk in holiness and righteousness. But rather, Lord, we pray that you would lead us and that you would guide us, that you would grow us in all righteousness and holiness, that you would grow us in love, Lord. Lord, we pray that this church, this community, us, that we could be known for our love, For you and our love for one another, Lord, we pray that you would grow that in this church and in each and every heart here, and I pray in Jesus' name.